Veterans Broadcast Network. This is Roll Call. What role did you play in your call to duty? You're listening to Veterans Roll Call. I'm Kennedy Camp. And I'm Nadine Noki. Hey, hello everyone. Welcome one and all. As you just heard, this is Roll Call. And we're part of the Veterans Broadcast Network. I'm Army veteran Kennedy Camp, and I was with the Medical Corps from 67 to 1974. And I'm Nadine Noki, Army veteran and Lady Brigade entrepreneur. And we'll be bringing you stories on the roles played by veterans and veteran supporters. Tonight's show starts with us learning about VSOs. VSOs. Okay, Nadine. Um, I'm wondering how many people out there know what VSO stands for because just shortly within the last month I learned what a VSO was. Now I'm an army veteran for 50 some years and uh, I have found out that VSO stands for the veteran service organizations and I was quite surprised. I had to try to figure out if a veteran service organization was connected to the VA, part of the VA, sort of separate and the VA works with them and so doing my research we came up with finding out what a VSO is, and Nadine, that's what we're going to talk about tonight, and I, I got, we got a special guest coming on with us in a little while. Um, he's Marty Callahan, the Deputy Director of Veterans Affairs and Rehabilitation Division of the American Legion, who I saw recently uh, was in front of Congress talking about some of the benefits that uh, are available and, and some of the complications of what's going on with with veterans and their, their benefits. Nadine, what do you know about the American Legion? Well, um, I know that there are several of them, um, one of them being the American Legion, which is interesting because they actually have two and a half million members and 10,000 posts, but if you really think about it, the veteran population is about 20 million, so they have 10% of veterans living today a part of the American Legion. And I find that quite unique, uh, and I, a very good number. Um, what I did find out too, Nadine, is that there are over 100 VA-recognized VSOs, American Legion being the largest and probably the best if it's got so many good members involved with it. But I found out also that no two VSOs are the same, and these organizations have two things in common. They all help veterans navigate the VA claims, and benefit systems, but they also help veterans connect and live fulfilling lives through the local facilities and programs. All of these uh, organizations, I understand, have Washington, D.C. Uh, offices or uh, advocate areas uh, for them. Let's say... Um, uh, there it was... Uh... Uh, I'm wondering, you mentioned that you had some familiarity with the VFW, um, which is also another service organization that has over 4,000 posts. I guess that would probably be here and abroad. Um, are you familiar with any other ones as well? 
Yeah, of course, uh, the ones that I believe a lot of people know of are the disabled American veterans, uh, as well as the paralyzed veterans of America. They're two organizations that really help with seriously injured veterans. Um, they dedicate uh, themselves to the uh, veteran services and finding out more ways of you know, gaining benefits, as well as uh, they do medical research. They have civil rights for the, these are d disabilities. And one thing I found, the DAV also offers rides uh, to disabled veterans. And I guess last year I heard something like 700,000 rides were, were given to veterans across the United States. I had no idea. I would have used them when I lived in Brooklyn, for sure. <laughs> Especially Brooklyn. <laughs> right. Uh, who else do we know about? I think there's a few more we could talk about for a second. Do uh, you know anything about AMVETS? Have you heard of them? Uh, I did a little research when we, when we were going to talk about this on the radio today. And AMVETS' mission actually is to enhance and the safeguard of the entitlements of all American veterans that have served honorably and to improve the quality of life for them, their families, and the communities. And they have about 1,400 locations throughout the country. Interesting. I remember donating a lot of things to AMVETS when I lived in Chicago, and they always would come to our door in, a, in an AMVETS vehicle uh, with some sort of tag on it. Now I know a little bit more about them, and I know they're a VSO. <laughs> um, my group, of course, that I got involved with for a while was the Vietnam Veterans of America. Um, they have a full range of issues that are very important to Vietnam veterans. Uh, a lot of it has to do with how we were treated uh, upon our return. Um, they try to uh, change the public perception of what a Vietnam veteran is. Uh, their motto, by the way, is, let me see, never again will one generation of veterans abandon another. That's very interesting. And you being from Iraq, uh, as an Iraq vet, did you find anything? I do know that there is, I would say that there are more of an up-and-coming um, VSO and fits more of my era, and they serve, uh, it's the Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America. They serve and empower a post-9-11 veteran community, and it's for men and women, and they're just helping with uh, different programs that help navigate veterans through the complex, you know, VA system and helping them get the services that they need in this time and this age of what is unique to them and their service. Sure. It's a, it's a complex roadmap out there, and that's why I'm glad we'll be going to Marty in just a few minutes. But, but before we do, um, uh, today's title of our show is about VSOs, and also, what's your number? Nadine, do you know what your number is? <laughs> number one? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I have no idea what you're talking about, about numbers um, at all. So I, what, what do you mean by numbers? Well, it turns out that there's a thing called the priority group. Have you heard of that term? No. The only thing I'm familiar with is when I first got out of the military, I remember having a couple, like, I don't know if it was a year or two to be in the, um, in the system and getting priority to uh, get doctor's appointments and all that being post 9-11. And there was like a, a grace period for us to get priority. Um, but I don't know if that's the same thing, and maybe our guest speaker will be able to talk about that. I, I sure hope so. I, I think he's going to be the man of full knowledge. He's got a great background, and uh, just before we bring him on, let me uh, explain to you. When a veteran applies for VA health care, they will be assigned to one of eight priority groups. 
This system helps to make sure that veterans who need care right away can get it right away and they can sign up quickly. It also helps make sure that the VA can provide high quality care to all veterans enrolled in the health care program. So your, your priority group may affect uh, just how soon the VA signs you up on your health care benefits. So when you are discharged and mustered out like I was, I was kind of lucky because um, my Sarge at the time in San Francisco signing me out explained to me that the best thing I could do is as soon as I got back to my house, my location, my home, I should go directly to the nearest VA hospital and immediately sign up and never miss an appointment <laughs> and stay in contact with them for everything in my needs. And I found that that turned out to be the right thing to do. I've had 50 great years with the VA. Uh, there's been a, a glitch here and there, and sometimes there's a, a delay here and there, but it's nothing as horrible as some of the things that the 1% or the 2% of negatives that have come out that make it sound like it's really a bad organization. Um, the VA has its situation. It's a bureaucratic uh, world, uh, so we all, we all have to deal with it. Yeah, I think they've actually improved. I think their image has improved. I think that they are working to improve veterans' benefits. Good. Okay. Um, and we'll have a bunch of shows coming up. We want you to remember to stay tuned with us every Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time uh, so we can uh, continue to help veterans understand things uh, as we also end up learning about what things we need to know. So right now, uh, just before we go on to our break, I think I want to bring in Marty Callahan. As I said, he's the Director of Veterans Affairs and Rehabilitation Division for the American Legion out of Washington, D.C. I know he's a Navy man, and um, he's probably got a lot of info and insight for us. So if we can, and Marty, are you still there with us? I'm right here with you. Thank you for having me on the show. Excellent. No, thank you for joining us today. Could you give us and the audience a, a brief explanation of um, like who you are and why you're so lucky to be in the great position you have? <laughs> well, sure. Uh, first of all, I'd like to clarify, I'm Deputy Director of uh, for Claim Services of our uh, Veterans Affairs and Rehabilitation Division in Washington, D.C. And I've been in that Excellent. position for just a couple of years. Uh, but before that, I was a claim specialist, and I worked on probably 5,000-plus claims appeals uh, for veterans, uh, trying to get them their benefits. Wow. But um, uh, I'm, a, I'm a native of uh, south side of Chicago, southwest side, grew up on 69th and Ashland, uh, lifelong Cubs and Bears fan, uh, joined the <laughs> Navy uh, last century, 20th century sailor, uh, served from uh, 75 to 81, uh, photojournalist, uh, did, did a lot of interesting things, saw a good chunk of the world, uh, got out, uh, hired by the U.S. Naval Institute in Annapolis, Maryland. Uh, I was an assistant editor for their magazine, Naval Institute Proceedings. Uh, met a insurance salesman uh, living in Owings Mills, Maryland, and uh, drove to his house uh, in November of 1982 to read the first chapter of a book he was working on. Um, his name was Tom Clancy, and the book happened to be Hunt for Red October. Uh, so I kind of put them together with our Naval Institute Press, and uh, the rest is history. But uh, it was interesting to read that first chapter in the den of his house in um, Owings Mills, Maryland. But um, I left the Naval Institute and went on to do public relations and documentary production work through the years. 
And then I was hired by the American Legion in uh, 2008. And I started out as managing editor of their magazine, the monthly magazine uh, that they put out. And then I uh, did a, a stint in their media relations um, group and uh, segued on over to Veterans Affairs about uh, six years ago. So uh, that pretty much does it, I think. Well, I'm totally impressed, especially the Clancy part. Lucky man. <laughs> what a way to start the game. Well, I, I happen to be just the right person at the right time. He did all the, he did all the hard work. <laughs> okay, uh, so the hard work. And, and now tell us about your hard work. What, what is it really like uh, helping veterans benefit claims? Well, it's, uh, it's uh, something the American Legion does every day, uh, like um, uh, your co-host mentioned, we've got uh, uh, you know a lot of members and a lot of hosts across the country, but we also have a national organization uh, headquartered in Indianapolis, uh, Indiana, and we have a Washington, D.C. office, which is where most of our um, appeals work uh, is handled. Uh, we do have service officers out in the field in every state, and they help veterans um, file for uh, disability claims um, to the VA regional offices and help them with the paperwork and explain, you know, the process to them. Uh, then a lot of times uh, their claims are granted and they start to receive their benefits from VA, but uh, sometimes those appeals are denied. And uh, that's when the veteran can go ahead and appeal that decision uh, to the Board of Veterans Appeals in Washington, D.C. And, and that's where the group I work with gets involved. We get their appeals. Uh, we take a look at their cases. We write up uh, uh, briefs for them, written briefs in favor of their arguments, and try to get them their, um, their benefits on the appeal level. And uh, we're pretty successful at that. Uh, and um, we've got 20 full-time claim specialists who work in Indianapolis and Washington, D.C., and they work full-time helping uh, veterans who have appealed to the denial of their claims. And we're, you know, we're happy to say we get a lot of them overturned or at least sent back to the VA regional offices for a second look. They call it a remand where the, the board says, uh, you know, we're not convinced that this should be denied. Give us some more information. And so that is something that we do every day. We have service officers, too, at our national office who help veterans uh, from all across the country, mostly the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. But um, one thing I'd like to make sure your, your listeners know about is that uh, the American Legion is the only uh, major VSO that still helps veterans with uh, discharge upgrades. Uh, and so well, any veteran there who's looking for a discharge upgrade, they should, they should contact us. Good. Yeah, let me get back to that when we come back from this uh, sponsorship message. Your mama, your brother, your daddy, your brother, your sister, your cat, dog with over your left. Right. And that's the reason you left. You're, right. You're listening to Veterans Roll Call, and we'll be right back after these messages. My father was the, the best truck driver ever known in my life like a family tradition. I'm a truck driver myself. I drove around the states with my cat. To be the truck driver, you not just only see where you go, you see the world in the larger perspective. This is a really good time to be in the trucking industry. The dispatchers get good loads for them. The equipment is very new and then it's very reliable. At GTS Transportation, we make dreams come true by employing truck drivers, dispatchers, mechanics, and many other occupations. 
consider joining our rapidly expanding team where we put quality, human dignity, and respect back into the workforce. Contact us by visiting our website at gtscarrier.com or call us at 847-754-4667. That number again, 847-754-4667. Dallas Corporation and Dallas Logistics, a proud supporter of the Veterans Radio Broadcast for over 15 years. High-quality printing services and warehouse distribution have been our hallmark since 1985, serving Fortune 100 companies for over 35 years. Check us out at www.dallascorp.com. All right, golden again. Let's go back to uh, what we were talking about in relationship to the American Legion, Marty's work would claim benefits and, and the success that you've had. Um, I think, Nadine, you had a question you wanted to ask? Yes. Um, I actually have a couple of questions, um, kind of while you're speaking uh, on the on the claims and the appeals. Are the people that handle the claims, the initial claim, the same people that do the appeals? Or is that a specialized group of people that work in the field with you that have more of a familiar familiarity <laughs> however we say that word <laughs> and um um to get that in like that appeal through or how does that work well we have uh we have training available for both parts of those uh, our uh, you know each american legion organization at the state level is known as a department so, for example, the state of Washington has the American Legion's Department of Washington. And so each of these departments have at least one department service officer who helps uh, veterans file their, their claims and, uh, you know, assist them with other other kinds of, you know, benefits-related activities. Uh, twice a year, the national organization sponsors a department service officer school, uh, which, uh, which provides training for uh, our service officers in the field. And uh, this school was typically in person until the pandemic hit. And then last year we switched to virtual uh, schools. So we held one in the spring of 2020 and another one in the fall. And next year, next spring, we're probably going to do some kind of hybrid. But um, the, the training is provided uh, by our, our legal and training partner, the law firm Bergman and Moore in Washington, D.C. And they prepare 25 to 30 lessons uh, for these courses, and people take the lessons, and they have to pass a uh, final test at the end uh, to get their graduation certificate. And so this is a way that we provide training to the service officers who uh, basically work with veterans in filing original claims, but they can also help with with appeals. And then in Washington, D.C. and Indianapolis, we have uh, 20 full-time claim specialists, and they're the ones who work uh, completely on uh, the appeals that are filed by the veterans and they're filing a lot of appeals and we've got plenty of work to do, but also if they call our claim specialists, they can get advice on, on original claims and things like that. So I guess your answer is, is that our service officers in the field focus mostly on filing original or initial claims for veterans and that our, our specialists in D.C. and Indianapolis work mostly on the appeals and, and getting them through the Board of Veterans Appeals, uh, but they're kind of cross-trained uh, in some ways so that, you know, they can, they can help out with, uh, with the entire continuum of, of the claims and appeals process in some way. 
Oh, that's um, good to know. Actually, I just was curious about that. And I'm sure a lot of other listeners were as well. The other question that kind of comes to mind is I know me working at any job, if I could tell somebody or tell a veteran, like maybe one, what is the number one thing that a veteran can do to best help their claim either before, during, or after they get out? And what is like the easiest problems that can be avoided? Like if you Literally, if you could have every veteran on the horn listening right now, either filing a claim or filing an appeal, what would be the number one thing that, or maybe a couple of things that you would would advise them to help them with um, with that um, claims process? Yeah, the uh, the best way to for veterans to help, uh, you know, with their claims is to um, first of all, I would, I would say take good notes while you're on active duty. And, uh, you know, we all, everybody has their service treatment records, but not everything gets entered into service treatment records. And sometimes service treatment records are, are lost or whatever. So, for example, if, um, if someone is on active duty in uh, Afghanistan and they, uh, you know, they're, they're involved in a, in a motor vehicle accident that, um, you know, gives them some kind of a shoulder injury, um, I would make a note of that as a, some kind of a statement. Uh, some kind of a record and keep it and take it with you so that uh, if you file a claim later, you can submit what they call a lay statement saying uh, on such a date in Afghanistan, uh, I was involved in a, in a motor vehicle accident, um, incurred severe injury on my left shoulder. Uh, the pain has been chronic since I left active duty and I'm filing now for uh, a service connection for my current shoulder condition. Uh, so it's important to keep records uh, of what happens to you when you're in the military. And then um, the other thing, when you leave the service, uh, a lot of times when a veteran files a claim, they are examined by a VA uh, medical professional. And the VA just recently, last October, uh, they used to do all these, um, uh, they call them C&P exams, comp- uh, you know, compensation and pension claim exams, where if a veteran files a claim, they have to have one of these exams before their claim can move forward. And uh, VA contracted all these out uh, last October to VA contractors. Uh, And, you know, it's sort of like six of one, half a dozen of the other. Uh, VA has provided training to these folks, but I've heard stories about how some of these contractors aren't as familiar with um, the medical treatment of veterans as maybe a VA examiner would be. So I'd, I'd say be careful about the exam you get. And if you feel like the exam you get from VA is inadequate, then, you know, see if you can dig into your pockets or your checking account and go get a, a, a second opinion from a private examiner. Uh, because a uh, private medical examination can be submitted as evidence, and oftentimes it will counter, uh, I mean, in other words, if the private examiner says, oh, yes, this shoulder injury is definitely service-connected and it was definitely caused by that motor vehicle accident, then that is strong evidence uh, to countermand any kind of VA examiner's opinion that did not find any service connection. That is actually really great news. I had no idea um, that you could do that. And does that private medical examiner have to be trained or approved by the VA, or it could just be any medical medical practitioner that is in the field of, say, orthopedics or something to that extent that can provide a professional medical opinion? 
Right. Uh, it doesn't have to be VA approved, uh, just someone of good standing in the, in the medical profession. For example, there are a lot of veterans and there's a lot of uh, Vietnam War era veterans who, who do this too, as well, well as our World War II and Korean War veterans. But uh, one of the most common hearing disability, one of the most common disabilities, uh, that are claimed are hearing loss and another, uh, another hearing disorder called tinnitus, which is a, a ringing or buzzing in the ears. And um, a lot of times, uh, VA won't uh, won't grant service connection uh, on hearing loss. So it's it's always good if you go to like an audiologist uh, who tests your hearing and listens to what uh, the veteran has to say, uh, and then um, puts that down in a medical opinion. I can recall one case where somebody had been denied service connection for hearing loss who served in a field artillery unit in Vietnam. And you kind of take a look at this and say, really? Really, you're going to deny hearing loss to this guy who was shooting artillery in, in Vietnam, but it, it does happen. And so, I would say uh, private medical opinions from uh, from uh, medical um, practitioners in good standing are a good piece of, of evidence for claims. Um, and Marty, on denials, um, uh, those are made in the, in an actual VA setting, correct? Yes, the original denials are made by what they call claims adjudicators who work at the VA regional offices, and each state has one regional office. Um, you know, for example, the regional office in uh, in Maryland is in Baltimore, and uh, you know other major cities. The one in Georgia is in Atlanta, and so forth. So these adjudicators take a look at the evidence, and then they de- decide whether to grant service connection or deny service connection for whatever issues are being uh, claimed. And then uh, once those are denied, then the veteran has the option to appeal those decisions to higher authorities, and uh, and then they get a second look in, in that way. Is there a, a is there a cutoff or a time? Say a veteran has. A- uh, filed a claim, filed an appeal, maybe missed the appeal or something like that. Are they able to file a new claim or is there um, a cutoff? Like maybe someone will try, can they try for 20 years to file a claim and get appealed or how does that work? Or is there ever an opportunity where they can't? I guess maybe that's a question that we'll have to maybe talk about after the break because it could be a long <laughs> response. I have no idea. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's not a seven-second answer, if that's what you mean. <laughs> um, well, let's see. Um, what would you say? Is there is there a time limit for someone on on claims and appeals? Yeah, you have to you, you have to file a claim, and then you're denied. You have to file an appeal in a certain amount of time. I believe it's uh, you know 120 days. Uh, don't don't quote me on that, but uh, you know anybody can go to the the va.gov website and get this information. And also, um, there are certain conditions that won't be recognized if the claim is filed more than two years or one year after active duty has ended. So the what does um, a person, if somebody is interested in knowing more or working closely with your organization, what do they need to do to get involved? Is like. Um, are there I know there's locations, obviously, like every department, and every post, but do they go to the VA to get connected with you? Do they go online? What do they do if they yep. want to work with a VSO? Yeah, just go online to our VSO. It's legion.org uh, and you can you can join online. You can join uh, just the, you know, the national post or you can join a post in your area. 
Um, uh, several uh, colleges and universities have started uh, Legion posts uh, in, in recent years. Uh, they're geared more toward uh, networking and, and job finding and, and um, you know, assistance with uh, the daycare and things like that. The, the legacy posts we call, you know, have been around for quite a while. Uh, they'll actually have a brick and mortar uh, building and, you know, uh, food and beverage service and, and activities and meetings and things of that nature but some veterans are fine with that other veterans may not want to go to actual physical meetings but uh, you know be part of a of a virtual post and we certainly have those available too um the, the the point is is to join the legion to support what we do and to support our mission which is to help veterans and their families every every day uh-huh. i i have uh, put in a claim and got denied by a um, employee of the va uh, so she had a nice job and uh, she was not a veteran. And uh, it, it had to do with a couple um, injuries that took place while I was in the service. But uh, no big thing after that. Uh, I, I had I wish I knew there was a VSO that I could have worked with. Also, um, I have now found out that there are attorneys who are um, now trying to work with veterans. And I was under the impression that um because the attorneys want to charge a fee, uh, I was. Under, do you help us understand how do we pay or we don't pay or what what's that all about? Uh, yeah, this is a big issue, uh, especially since uh, a bill has been introduced in Congress this past spring in, in the Senate to try to legitimize what we refer to what, what are called predatory claims companies. Uh, mm. A lot of our folks in the field uh, refer to them as, as pension poachers. Uh, they go after a lot of the elderly veterans and tell them we can, you know, file your aid and attendance benefits for this amount of money. And but they also go after other veterans uh, who, you know, want to file a claim. The basic marketing uh, uh, scam is uh, uh, we can get you 100% of anything, and uh, we're better than the the VSOs. We'll get it for you faster and quicker, and etc. But most of the time, they're not even accredited representatives. You have to be accredited uh-huh. by the VA's Office of General Counsel to actually represent veterans legally. And so they'll they'll file a couple of papers. A lot of times, VA won't even look at the, the paperwork they file. But then they'll turn around and they'll charge veterans exorbitant fees uh, for, for the services they provide. I just uh, saw an example where uh, one veteran got a 10% increase on his disability um, rating and uh they charged him over two thousand uh, dollars for that service <laughs> wow. and it's like well, this stuff that we do for free and so uh we are very uh str- very concerned about these predatory claims companies and uh you know we we obviously uh, don't appreciate their attempts to really kind of take advantage of our veterans population on the other side of the coin there are uh, attorneys who are accredited representatives and uh, perfectly legitimate. For example, example, the law firm we work with, Bergman and Moore, out of Washington D.C., they will uh, they will represent veterans in the appeal stage. They've represented probably more than three or four thousand veterans before the U.S. Court of, of Appeals for veterans' claims here in D.C. And do they charge for those services? Yes, but they charge reasonable fees that are that are basically within the guidelines that VA has set down. Uh, but uh, these predatory companies, uh, they're really going after the money, and they're really making veterans sign very long, complicated contracts and charging them all kinds of of money for services that VSOs can provide for free. 
Well, good. And so you as a VSO who does a lot of this with these claim benefits, um, are, are you paid? Does the VA have some kind of a compensation to the VSO itself in order to uh, you know help with your salaries and stuff? No, sir. We we do not work for commission. Uh, we uh, we help veterans because it's our job to help veterans. And I can just tell you that sometimes we'll win, we'll help win appeals for veterans, and the the uh, the benefits, the grants, will have a, a retroactive effective date of ten or fifteen years, and um, it really makes a difference in the lives of these veterans. One day, I got word that a veteran I had helped, he lives in some small town there in Alabama, but. I helped him get a, a retro payment of $243,000, and wow. I called him up, and I said, uh, I said, Mr. So-and-so, are you sitting down? And he said, well, oh, why? I said, well, because uh, VA is going to send you a check for $243,000, and there was this silence on the phone, <laughs> and then he said, oh, Lord. <laughs> wow. So, I think he needs to be your yeah. poster child. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, this, I'm sure all claims yeah. are di di different, but uh, that, that's, yeah. that's amazing. This is that's help awesome. veterans change their lives. You know, you can talk about, uh, you know, thanking veterans for their service and all that, which is a great thing to do. But when you can give veterans and their families money that they can help pay electric bills with, utility bills, keep food on the table, that makes a real difference in, in veterans' lives. It sure, sure does. So, so there is no payment from VA to American Legion, VFW, DAV, or anything. No, no. We we work on our own on our own finances. We have our own, you know, funds from dues and and and, and things like that. Exactly. And we just have ourselves. So that's why it's good to or whatever. That's why it's good to be a member and to join one of these good VSOs and and be a a paid dues a dues paying member. Um, energy. Yeah, we, um, we encourage veterans to make a contribution, and we like our jobs, so that's 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 the that's good enough for us. And are these uh, any component of this a 501c3 or four? Yeah, the, the Legion is a nonprofit organization. Oh, it is. Okay, uh, chartered by Congress. by Congress. Uh, we first had our first meeting in 1919 uh, after World War One in Paris, France. And um, have have grown since then. Uh, actually, the, the Legion authored the original GI Bill uh, that was signed into uh, law by President Roosevelt in 1944, that provided so many uh, GIs returning from World War II with college educations. And we also played a key role in the post 9/11 version of that bill. Worked with uh, uh, you know Senator James Webb and his staff very closely to get that uh, post 9/11 GI Bill passed there about nine, about 2008 or so. So. Yeah, we the Legion's been very involved for over a hundred years. Fabulous, totally yeah. fabulous. That is, that is pretty awesome. I am a recipient of the post 9/11 GI Bill, so I definitely appreciate um, that being put into place. Um, to go back, I just have a real quick question. Do you know any more about that um, that bill that's put in? Because I'm not feeling that like on those pension poachers and i kind of want to like learn yeah, yeah. more or yeah. when that bill is supposed to get passed or what where that is right now yeah it was it was introduced in the senate this past spring i think april or may by senator ted cruz and uh I, i've read the bill and uh it doesn't mention uh and well what it refers to is um pension claims consultants uh, some mm. some language like that never mentions in the bill legislation one single time that these are for-profit uh, organizations. 
And um, it really is a bill to start a VA pilot program with one of these uh, predatory claims companies, I, I guess, in an in a effort to legitimize them. Uh, and, of course, uh, we're, we're not happy with that. And uh, we've made it clear to Congress uh, that we're not happy with that. And all the VSOs. I mean, we, we had a meeting. We've met about this throughout the summer. And all the VSOs are opposed to this. And we had a staffer come on board from uh, one of the uh, the Veterans Affairs Committees, I think the Senate uh, Committee for Veterans Affairs. And, you know, she asked us, she said, well, you know, if you don't want this uh, bill to go through, what, what can you give them? I mean, what is a gimme that you can give them in return for this bill not going through? And we all said nothing. We, we don't want to give <laughs> right. those people anything. They're, they're illegitimate. They're stealing money from veterans. And uh, the answer is no. We, we have nothing to give them in return. And she said, uh, okay, well, I'll take that back to the committee. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's the stand. I have one more question, and then um, we're actually. Um, I'm probably getting ready for a commercial. <laughs> yeah, I gotta. Yeah, that, I gotta gotta pay the bills here, but. Um, Don't break you know, those rules again. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the one other um, question that I had for that is: Do you guys, as you just mentioned, that's what where it came from? Do you meet with other VSO organizations, kind of that you're on the same page advocating for veterans as a whole? I mean, you've got so many powerful organizations. I'm sure there's even veterans involved in several different, you know, nonprofits. Do you guys meet annually or do you guys have like a system in place in Washington, D.C., where VSOs from all different organization groups work together to advocate for your for veterans? Mm -hmm. Yes, every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m., wow. we meet online for our weekly meeting. Um, it's, it's run by DAV, Disabled American Veterans, uh, or actually state facilitated. And we're all on there, you know, VFW, um, PVA, the American Legion, um, various other um, groups, Wounded Warrior Project. Uh, I know I'm leaving several out, but uh, oh, Iraq and Afghanistan, uh, Veterans of America. Uh, there's probably about a, a good dozen to 15 participants every Monday, uh, and we discuss the issues, uh, heavily legislative issues, but uh, other issues as well, uh, and um, uh, trade trade our points of view and get in on joint letters to Congress and, and things like this, talk about legislation and what we're doing about it. Uh, so it's good communication. We also have a quarterly meeting with the Board of Veterans Appeals, which addresses more uh, more veterans issues on the appeals side. Uh, they're, they're getting more into these virtual hearings online, uh, which are uh, much better for the veteran because, one, there's no travel expenses. They used to have to come to Washington, D.C. Uh, for their appeals hearings. And uh, also, uh, they seem to be doing uh, very well in terms of getting a, a good percentage of, of um of decisions in their favor. Uh, and then also we have a monthly meeting with um, the Veterans Benefits Administration uh, and the, the VSO liaison for that organization. And we um, talk about issues that all benefits related. So I'm happy to say there's good lines of communication between the VSOs and, and to the major um, agencies in, in DC who work with veterans. That is incredible. I honestly did not know about that at all. And it actually kind of makes me feel better. Feel better, yeah. Um, that you guys are working together. And then even if you're separate organizations, like obviously the goal is the same for all of you, you know, all the major VSOs. So to know that you're working together is, is really awesome. And I'm glad to hear that. 
you know, yeah, with good communication. And of course, we all get on the phone to each other too. Like I might call somebody else out of side of a meeting, and say, "Hey, you know what we talked about yesterday? What do you think about this?" That kind of thing. So, yeah, good communication, uh, Nadine. That is awesome. Yeah, and um, when I uh, did some research, and, and it said that um, there are over 100 VA recognized VSOs. Uh, I was, you know, Wabon that I could have named or, or remembered seeing, what what would some of these other 90 be? I well, guess there's a lot of uh, organizations that are, uh, uh, you know, smaller in number, but they, they you know, represent, uh, you know, various uh, uh, subgroups of veterans. Um, there's one that comes to mind, the, uh, the Military Order of the Purple Heart Association. Oh, sure. Um, no, I... Yeah. Right. Marty, uh, I think uh, Marty, I think we hit the six forty-five mark. Mark, are we ready for a breakaway? Uh, yes, we are. Uh, okay, break it away, and we'll be right back, and uh, we'll see what's going on, and finalize our talks here with Marty Callahan from the American Legion. Roll call. We'll be right back after these messages. For the future, we Attention, looking for semi-drivers nationwide. GTS Transportation of Burr Ridge, Illinois, is looking to hire a partner with experienced CDL holders in every state. If you are going to drive, why not drive for the best? Whether you are driving solo, as a team, or as an owner-operator, GTS is looking to add you to their rapidly growing company. Become part of one of the most respected, driver-friendly, and successful transportation companies in America, where drivers are treated as royalty. Contact us at gtscarrier.com. Again, gtscarrier.com. Or call us at 847-754-4667. That number again, 847-754-4667. We would love to help you, which in turn helps everyone. GTS is an equal opportunity employer. And we're back. All right. And Marty, uh, with all that's going on, I had never heard about this priority group number. How much uh, or how are the VSOs involved with that? Uh, Do they have any say so on it or is it just when you get mustered out and you go to the VA hospital, they assign you this group one through eight? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is one through eight, and it's based on a, a lot on the uh, severity of, uh, of uh, veterans' disabilities. Um, I think you know priority group one is uh, if you're rated as fifty percent or more, and tr- group two is thirty percent, and so on. Uh, then there's other groups that uh, seem to be tailored to do certain things like um, oh exposure to radiation uh, during atomic bomb experiments and things like that. The um, the sticking point that's been around for a while is this priority group eight, uh, and um, VA uh, kind of goes back and forth about uh, opening up priority group eight to all veterans, regardless of what their level of income is. Um, so the way it is now is that priority group eight is if your gross house your gross household income is above the VA income limits, and um, so priority group eight basically. Uh, you know, they don't really 
qualify for many VA benefits because their income level is too high and they uh, have uh, medical insurance covered by their, their, you know, their employer or whatever. Um, so, you know, we kind of keep going back and forth with VA about, you know, trying to find ways to let more veterans into the VA system. Um, but they do have a, a large number in there already. And, um, there's also a question of, of VA, you know, how much can VA, uh, handle and how old some of their hospitals are and, and needing more funding for more infrastructure and, and needing more funding to raise the salaries of, uh, you know, their, their medical staff and things of this nature. So there's a lot of issues involved with um, how many veterans are, are currently served by VA and how many should be served or could be served under more ideal conditions. But, um, yeah, the, the lesion is, is, is monitoring that issue as well. And going back to the um, the claims process and all that and handling um, what the VA can handle, what different VSOs can handle, right now, what's the average time for um, an initial claim? And um, how long does it take right now? I mean, and, I mean, possibly COVID probably had an impact on it. For the appeals process, is there an average length of time that a veteran has to wait after they put an appeal in for how long they're going to get um, a letter back if they've been approved or denied. Yeah, there, there is a delay. There is a, there is a backlog and, and claims pending and things of, of that nature. Uh, I think right now the uh, VA has right around 200,000 uh, backlogged pending claims. That means that they've been in the system for at least 125 days or longer. Wow. And then, and then there's also a lot of uh, appeals that are uh, in backlog. Um, trying to remember the the number right now, it, I think it's probably in excess of maybe a hundred thousand. But a lot of these appeals are uh, backlog because they need to have some hearings scheduled. The veteran has requested a hearing, and of course, a lot of things were canceled uh, because of the pandemic last year. So. Um, two things the pandemic had an effect on was um, VA canceled all of its medical exams uh, because they were in person at the time. And so that put a backlog on, on the claims. And then the board canceled all of its in-person hearings. So that put a backlog on the hearings. So uh, they're, they're trying to solve this now with virtual hearings and VA is trying to solve the the uh, the exam backlog with a variety of, of, of efforts. But to answer your question, yeah, the, there's a lot of claims that are pending more than 125 days, and uh, VA has been working to improve the process, and so has the board been working to improve the appeals process, and I think they've made some headway. Uh, things seem to be moving along a little quicker on the appeals side. The claim side, uh, I'm not quite as sure because it seems like the backlog has been gradually increasing over the we, past several months. We got a caller on hold. Allow the caller. Okay. You have a call in, and uh, who do we have there? What, can you give us your name and a little bit about yourself? Okay. Well, we're, yeah, we're, we're learning on our first uh, first night out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so we'll start finishing up towards with, with Marty. Uh, any suggestions that you would make uh, for some of the new veterans that are, have been just coming back from Afghanistan. I, I know a couple here have just come into our neighborhood. Um, other than telling them to make sure they sign up, is there any suggestions? Or should we tell them and lean them and push them towards a VSO organization like the American Legion? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, they can do that. Uh, also, there is an online uh, program called eBenefits, and uh, they can certainly file a claim uh, online as well. Uh, but we kind of suggest they get with a service officer to kind of help them out and navigate the VA system, which can sometimes be somewhat challenging. Uh, but the, the major idea is to um, file a claim um, as soon as you can. If, if uh, someone feels as though a condition uh, they have or an injury they have is related to something that happened to them on active duty, Go ahead and file a claim. Uh, there, there is a form, and they can go to va.gov and just uh, click on the tab for VA forms. Uh, the form VA uh, 526EZ uh, Echo Zulu is the uh, form they use to file an original claim or an initial claim. But they, there's also a form on there, and I'm trying to remember the number to it. Uh, but it is um, for uh, uh, establishing what they call an effective date uh, for the claim. So. If you feel like you need to get more medical evidence together or get an exam or whatever it is you need, or you're maybe trying to get copies of your service treatment records, go ahead and file the uh, effective date claim. Uh, Because what that'll do is lock in a date. Uh, Say that you sent it today and it gets to VA and it locks in the date of, uh, you know, October 10th as the effective date for your claim. Uh, And say six months later, you actually finally end up filing the claim, you have to file a claim one within one year of, of, of sending in this like this placeholder document. Mm. But then uh-huh. you go ahead and you file the claim, and if they grant service connection to you for, let's say, a shoulder condition, they will go all the way back to that, that uh, initial document to establish the effective date for benefits, so you don't miss out on six months of benefits. And... Uh, that ain't me. Go ahead. I just learned something recently that um, I'm part of a di- you know different groups online and discussions about veteran um, different okay. topics on veteran benefits. Oh, are we there? So Marty, still there? I still am. Yes. All right. <laughs> so um, I just learned this recently that um, the people aren't allowed to help you if they're not a VSO or accredited person. So like if someone says, ah, I'll just have my cousin Tom, who's a veteran that filed his own claim, help me, that that's actually not allowed or it's actually could be punishable by law, <laughs> which is probably a good thing. You don't want somebody helping you that's not accredited. But um, is there anything that you, I mean, could speak to that or I've I mean, I would just suggest anyone not doing it alone. I personally, I filed my own claim the first time by myself, thinking that's what I was supposed to do, and I failed at it miserably. And I actually went through um, two different organizations to um, get at least uh, some compensation for some service-connected issues. Uh, But that is an interesting fact. And do you see that as a problem or some people just trying to go about it alone where um, maybe they could have used professional help? Yeah, well, you know, I just came across this situation with one of our folks out in the field who you know, was asking about uh, can somebody help a veteran file a claim if they don't have, uh, you know, if they're not an accredited representative. So the idea is, is that anybody can help anyone else with a claim in terms of getting evidence, providing lay statements in support of the claim, but they can't they can't sign documents that require a power of attorney. Okay, ah. so when you you assign power of attorney to like the American Legion, you sign a specific form. It's called a form twenty one twenty two, 
where you fill it out and sign it and date it, and a represent an accredited representative of the American Legion signs and dates it, and that comes over to to the Veterans Benefits Administration and goes up into the veterans case file. That is a record that the veteran has assigned power of attorney to the American Legion to sign documents of of a legal uh, status, like um, you know, like the power of attorney, the the 526 Echo Zulu form, what, where whatever form needs an accredited representative. You need to file that power of attorney document first. However, if you don't, if you're not power of attorney for a veteran, like if you're the veteran's cousin or family member, you can go after records. You can go to national archives and request a DD-214. You can do all sorts of things to help the veteran as long as you don't sign documents that require a power of attorney. Two minutes till we're out. Mark, okay, uh, Nathan, what, what what can we help you with? Yeah, so. I've been um, had have had an issue with um, VSOs in the past, and the current problem me and a lot of veterans are having about, that I've noticed is getting VSOs that are, are able to get back with them. Um, so they'll email them, they'll leave voicemails if they can even there's even a voice mailbox that's not full, um, but they're having issues finding VSOs that are there for them. Well, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should talk to Marty and get more involved. Right, so is there a professional like like teen? Uh, like I I agree actually. Um, it is it, it can be hard to reach um, different organizations. I had certain that happen as well um, in the past. Is there a professional chain of command where that that can be addressed? Um, through your organization or through a national organization that um, you know some people just might not be good at their job or might be overwhelmed with work. Is there a, a professional yeah. process for that? Well, well, you know, first of all, if you, if you go to legion.org, there is a, a tab near the top that says find a, a service officer. Uh, if you click on that tab and punch in your zip code, it'll come up with uh, several American Legion posts in your area. And so I would start there and, and send emails to, to your, the post within your local region. So if they want to meet you in person, you might be able to sit down with them and talk to them. If that's not working, then call our state organization, which is uh, whatever state you're in, the Department of such and such. Uh, just punch in the American Legion Department of Michigan or whatever state you live in, and then call the department headquarters and ask to speak to a service officer and see if you can get, get some help in that in that way. If that doesn't fail, then call the national organization in either Indianapolis or Washington, D.C., and see and see about getting help um, because we have people who can help you in, in both of those cities. Excellent. So don't Look, give up. That's, that's, that's the main message. Don't give up. Nathan, thanks for the question. And, Marty, I want to thank you so much for being here with Nate, Dean and I. It was powerful. We've learned a lot. Uh, next time, I'm sure we'll have less technical <laughs> problems and uh You uh, are definitely going to be invited back as we continue uh, helping veterans learn about their role in their call to duty. Thank you, everybody. I certainly appreciated the time. Thank you so much. It's all yours. All right. And we'll see you again soon, everybody. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Join us every Sunday at 5 p.m. Central on the Veterans Broadcast Network. This is Roll Call. My father was the, the best truck driver I've ever known in my life. 
like a family tradition. I'm a truck driver myself. I drove around the states with my cat. To be the truck driver, you not just only see where you go, you see the world in the larger perspective. This is a really good time to be in the trucking industry. The dispatchers get good loads for them. The equipment is very new and then it's very reliable. At GTS Transportation, we make dreams come true by employing truck drivers, dispatchers, mechanics, and many other occupations. Consider joining our rapidly expanding team where we put quality, human dignity, and respect back into the workforce. Contact us by visiting our website at gtscarrier.com or call us at 847-754-4667. That number again, 847-754-4667.